0: Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project podcast. This is the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company, be they animated, live action, direct-to-video, theme park, you name it. If they put it on film, we're probably going to discuss it here on the Disney Film Project podcast. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, host of this program, and uh, together with these folks, we run DisneyFilmProject.com where you can find blogs about these films, Blu-ray, DVD reviews, old shorts reviews, as well as the show notes to this very show. So make sure you go and check that out at DisneyFilmProject.com. Joining me as always, we have our wonderful co-hosts, Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is a blogger over at TouringPlans.com. He is Chief Technical Officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com. He works at Technical station at on the go and, and I believe he is the reason why in this film that is set in ancient France, there is a uh, modern floor buffer. Is that correct? And the plumbing. Yes. In Versailles. Yes. <laughs> I, be- I believe that it was, it was your um, invention, which we have mentioned many times before, the uh, amazing time-traveling Todd, uh, that, that made that possible. Is that correct? Uh, of course. Yes, always. Okay. okay, I thought so. Uh, typically, we are joined by Miss Brianna Alessio. Uh, she could not be with us this evening, but you can go check out her blog at DisneyFilmProject.com. But, of course, we always have with us our fine producer, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can find at about.me slash Cheryl P3. You can also find her over at com from time to time, and you can also find her on Twitter at Cheryl P3. How are you, Cheryl? Doing good. I understand you're ready for coffee. Is that correct?
1: I'm always ready for coffee, dude.
0: I understand. Okay. Like, like even at, like, two in the morning, you're, you're just good to go for coffee, huh? Yep. Lies. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, before I start a uh, marriage fight, let's move on, because today we are discussing a film uh, with many names, uh, but one aim, and that is, the, I believe the official title is Mickey Donald Goofy, The Three Musketeers. That's a lot of title for one movie. Indeed, yes. It is a film produced by the Disney Toon Studios, who you may remember for their direct-to-video films, and indeed this is one of them. And uh, released back in 2004, it was a favorite of my three-year-old son at the time, who really loved watching Mickey, Donald, and Goofy do very, very silly things. uh, Which is what they do throughout this entire film, uh, as they play the title characters of The Three Musketeers. It should be noted, however, that this is not really in much of any way, shape, or form uh, an adaptation of the uh, Dumas story as we reviewed the other Disney Three Musketeers film that had the Kiefer Sutherland charlie Sheen uh, duo as well as Oliver Platt as the Three Musketeers. This is not that. It right. Is, it, yeah, no, not that.
2: They got fleur-de-lis, though, all over the place. There, there are lots of
0: fleur-de-lis. Lee. Lee, sorry. It's okay.
1: There are more Star Wars references in this movie, though.
0: Than the other one, I can believe that. Yep. Because there's lots and lots and lots of voice talent in this movie. Yes, but the yeah. other one's platastic. They don't have that. It's true. They should have gotten Oliver Platt to do a voice in this movie, and that probably would have made it uh, a better movie. Although I would, I, I have to say. As uh, as someone who enjoys old uh, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy shorts, this is it, I, I appreciate that the director Donovan Cook uh, took the time to make nods to a lot of those old and uh, silly Mickey, Donald, Goofy shorts.
1: Yeah, they did log laugh.
0: Yes, they did. Yes, they did. This is a uh, this is a very silly, very very gag filled film, and it also has lots of nods to uh, other things in Disney. So there's, there's little gags here and there that if you know a lot of Disney uh, trivia or you've seen a lot of Disney films, you'll catch uh, as, you, as you go through the movie, and it's pretty good in that regard. I can't say uh, at, off the top that it is you know just a, a spectacular film like a, like a Tangled or one of those sorts of animated films, but it is definitely fun – uh, and, and it's quick. It's only 68 minutes long, so it's, it's one of those that you can enjoy with, with your kids or, or if you are a big kid like the three of us, and you, you can go through it pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, although I did pause because it, it, there's a lot going on at certain points, but you know,
0: when I'm taking mm-hmm. my notes, that's important. Yes. I can imagine if you were trying to take notes of all the different little gags and jokes that they hid throughout this movie, it probably took you three hours to watch it. No.
2: It's still not that
0: long a movie. (laughs) True. But they pack a lot in. I mean there's a lot of gags in this, uh, which is good. I mean that's the way the old uh, shorts used to be. This has a more frenetic feel than sort of the old uh, like Lonesome Ghosts and those sorts of Mickey, Donald, and Goofy shorts. Uh, But but this one is a little more manic, a little more Looney Tunes-esque than those I would say. Yeah,
2: I think that's true. I mean I I thought it's interesting that even though they've appeared in a lot of shorts together – that this is the first uh, full-length feature that they've been in?
0: That's right, because yeah. they were in um, Mickey and the Beanstalk <laughs> together, but they were only half of that movie. Right. Yeah, because the other half was uh, Bongo, the, the dancing bear, as we all remember. Indeed. Yes. All right, so this movie, as we said, tells the tale of The Three Musketeers, uh, portrayed by Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. It opens with a very strange setup, however. Um, We see a napping turtle who is being asked to gather the narrator to open the film on a TV set. I'm not really sure why that was necessary, but apparently it was, and so the turtle uh, cannot get the narrator. The narrator comes out, and there's a accident to where the turtle ends up in the narrator chair just as they are starting to roll film uh, because he kind of makes the narrator slip and fall and he gets tossed into the chair and the narrator turns out the the turtle turns out to be a French turtle which I'm not sure was the film being shot the the film within the film being shot in France or was it in America and it just happened to be a French turtle I was very confused
2: I'm Um, not clear to me either. It was like one of those television hour things or something like that that we were
0: going to be watching. Yeah, it was like Masterpiece Theater, only with a French turtle as the narrator.
2: Yeah. Did, did you know the turtle is uh, inspired by Toby Tortoise?
0: I did not know that, but that makes perfect sense. Yes. That, yeah,
2: that makes perfect sense. I understand that. For, I... for, the, for those who don't know, Toby Tortoise is from the tortoise and the hare, uh, Silly Symphony –
1: I do know that they did make um, a world based on the movie, "Country of the Musketeers," and the Kingdom Hearts three D, "Dream Drop Distance."
0: Was there a French turtle in that?
1: I have no idea. If am not okay. I, 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 all the characters except Daisy, the Troubadour, and Cowerbello Car- Car- appear. Okay. All right.
0: Well, you know, then perhaps there was.
1: So. And here,
0: here's they, – they did a lot of mixing of media in this because – so we have, we have the TV show or film or whatever it is that they're filming, right? And then he tells the prologue of sorts by using a comic book that he's holding in his hand because like you said, it's like a masterpiece theater. So the French turtle is holding a comic book and he's reading from the comic book. But instead of him reading to us, they show the scenes in the comic that tell the story sort of like at the beginning of Beauty and the Beast with stained glass, only this is a comic book. Which I happen to prefer the comic book way. That's just me.
1: I like the throwback of the comic book that it that, that was a reference, you know, to, to, their, to their comic book series.
0: That's right. Yeah. Because, and, it, and the comic book is only 25 cents, which I would like to say, in 2004, comic books were not 25 cents. That was not the case. So maybe yeah. the comic book was produced in 1850 where the movie is set. I don't know. <laughs> I think that was the last time comic books were 25 cents. But I digress. So the comic book prologue basically says shows the pictures of Mickey, Donald, and Goofy who were um, orphans on the street. Uh, they were robbed by bandits, which are played by the Beagle Boys, who, if you remember your DuckTales, were the villains of that and the villains in the uh, DuckTales comics – Uh, The DuckTales – the Carl Barks Duck comics, the Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck comics, uh, and then translated to TV for DuckTales. Woo! (laughs) But Mickey, Donald, and Goofy are saved by the Royal Musketeers and given – and afterwards, one of the Musketeers gives uh, Mickey his hat as a souvenir. And when when Mickey turns over the hat, it is signed by Athos, Aramis, Porthos, and D'Artagnan, who you might remember as the three who are actually four Musketeers from the original story. Correct. Yes. So they were inspired by this to become great musketeers. And unfortunately, uh, several years later, they are working as janitors in the palace uh, rather than becoming musketeers. So, so they're, they are at least close to where the musketeers are headquartered.
1: You got to start somewhere.
0: (laughs) That's right. They they're working their way up the food chain very slowly, though
2: Yes. It it's also um the turtle inserts himself into the story.
0: He does. This is a good point, because he goes from being narrator, he goes into the actual story itself in some sort of um word traveling uh Jasper Ford type page master device i don't know what he had i don't know what sort of technology the turtle has to get himself into the story but he does it which i thought i thought that was really the story that i wanted to see is how did the turtle come up with that sort of technology very carefully
1: stole from todd
0: that i would believe i would believe that i i have been on occasion reading a tale of two cities and seen todd walking by in the description so i can understand this could be the case Two cities, that's a lot of room. It's true. It's true. You, you, everybody needs a vacation, right, Tom? Indeed. So, but as they're working as janitors, as you can imagine, Goofy, Donald, and Mickey working as janitors does not end well for anybody, really. Uh, because they are doing this and end up – Captain Pete, who's the captain of the, the Musketeers, uh, is trying to take a shower. And um, Donald and Goofy and Mickey are trying to clean something. I'm not really sure what. They're trying to clean something. And Mickey – or Do- Goofy is using a – he's trying to buff the floors with an actual floor buffer. Now remember, this is in the mid-1800s, as I mentioned in the introduction. Um, somehow he has gone to Todd and gotten the time machine to go get the floor buffer, which I think shows that Goofy was smart and not dumb, as they keep saying in this movie.
2: Well – He's more klutzy than anything else, right? That's true. Right. I mean, he demonstrates a, a few times that he's not dumb throughout the movie, but that in his execution of his clever plans, there is some uh, wackiness. Yes, I would
0: say he's more wacky than dumb.
1: I'm going to use the word resourceful. Resourceful. I like that.
0: Yeah. They don't. They don't really call him
2: dumb, though. They use the word doofus, which is kind of sort of weird in, in a Disney cartoon, anyway.
0: Yes, it is. It's true.
1: Well, I think they did that. For, that was obvious. I think they, you know, in the 2004s, they were skirting around everything in the planet, so. <laughs> I'm They were, they, they were, they, they were protecting I, the innocent. I I believe so.
2: I mean, to, to be fair, they can't actually call Goofy Goofy because that's his name, even though it's, like, in the vernacular because he exists. Good point. You know, so.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. But while they are trying to clean and Pete is trying to take a shower, between Goofy and his floor buffer, the – as you mentioned, the anachronistic plumbing on the inside that uh, ends up getting carried away and caught, uh, caught up in what Mickey and Donald are doing, uh, there is all sorts of chaos which leads to Captain Pete basically falling through the floor uh, and not able to take a shower. Uh, as they, they apologize profusely and tell him, you know, look, we're just trying to be musketeers, and he tells them what you just said. Goofy is a doofus. Uh, he says Donald is a coward. He, who, he literally becomes a chicken when he gets scared. He turns from a duck to a chicken, and it happens multiple times throughout the film. Again, I think the understated question in this movie is the technology that these three have to both time travel and shapeshift.
2: Well, you know, it's kind of sort of limited, like in Sky High when she can only turn into the guinea pig. Good point. Good point.
0: Still, interesting, though, that he can shapeshift into a chicken when he's scared. Perhaps it's an involuntary response is what it seems.
2: It makes me think of the three caballeros ride in Mexico Pavilion, you know, when they have that scene where they're looking for a duck and the guy shows them the roast duck. I don't know. For some reason, it reminds me of that.
0: Oh, yeah, I got it. Okay. But then Mickey, of course, Mickey's problem – they cannot give Mickey a problem like being a coward, which they play up really, really well among Donald, which I didn't think was really true to his character, but we can talk about that. Goofy is a doofus. That I understand. But Mickey, they couldn't give him any sort of problem other than he's just too small because he's Mickey, and he has to be the hero of the piece.
2: And he is – if you look at their perspective, he is shorter than Donald or Goofy
0: throughout, so … That is correct. Which that's a good job by the director because on these Disney Toon Studios home video things, that's not always the case where they keep those sorts of things in mind.
2: Yeah, they they actually make poke fun at it a couple times too, where he's like, you can see Donald and Goofy, and then he's like hiding behind something and you
0: can't see him because he's too small. Yes, which is quite good. But so they are they are disheartened, of course, because they can't become musketeers. Captain Pete, the leader of the musketeers, is you know put them down. And meanwhile, we we flash over to Princess Minnie, who is the princess of France, apparently. This is – she is the only monarch of France, is Princess Minnie. Now, again, a question to be asked is why Princess Minnie is not French based on her accent, yet the turtle who is singing about her who is coming in from outside the story is. These are questions we need answered.
2: (laughs) I think you're thinking too hard about this movie, Ryan.
0: I I think I have to because there's not really much to talk about. That's all.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We could talk about the music some.
0: We can because this is where it begins, right, is the music is – we have the all for one and one for all songs. And all the songs in this movie are basically classical songs that you probably have heard a 100 times before where the French turtle for the most part uh, or some other person lays in lyrics over them, much like I'm sure many of us have done you know, When we hear these songs and are trying to act silly, I think that's what the writers of the film did. So the All for One and One for All is the gallop from Orpheus in the Underworld, yes. which the troubadour, the, the turtle, uh, sings. And then we have Love So Lovely from The Nutcracker, which is uh, Dance of the Reed Flutes, as well as the Romeo and Juliet overture, which <laughs> happens as Princess Minnie is walking around the garden dreaming about the man who will come and sleep, sweep her off her feet – while the Beagle Boys are trying to drop a safe upon her. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, which it's quite the juxtaposition, I must say, of them trying to drop a safe on her while she's got hearts floating out of her head… … and there's a French turtle lingering about her trying to sing who doesn't seem to catch her attention while he's singing. It's almost like he's not really there. Yeah, there there could be something to that, but then later he is actually there because he has to be. It's crazy.
1: The one aspect I wanted to point out this this kind of since we had done Fantasia and Fantasia two thousand, this kind of felt Fantasia is to me that I could see each of these as like any either any of these fitting into a Fantasia.
0: That's true. Without the, but I think they could do it without the the words. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: that's what that exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. you're right. Uh, when when the Beagle Boys though, they 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 miss Princess Minnie with the safe and and Daisy, who's her handmaiden, I guess, either her handmaiden or some sort of a like or lady in waiting. Lady in waiting, you think? Lady
1: in waiting, yeah.
0: Okay, uh, manages to to save her. The Beagle Boys go back to Pete and say that, you know, oh, we, we did not drop the safe on her, and Pete's like, oh, well, that's good because you were supposed to keep her safe, uh, which, to which they respond, well, good, because we missed her. Uh, and he reveals his plan that he is going to take over the kingdom at the opera, which brings us our running gag of whenever Pete says the opera, they show a poster of the opera, and they sing part of the opera, which doesn't sound funny, but it is. <laughs> And he acknowledges it. Yes, he talks to the camera every time it happens, which is very funny. Uh, and then he remands the Beagle Boys to Clarabelle Cow to throw them in the pit, which turns out to be just kind of a hole in the ground about two or three feet deep. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, that thought, pit was not very menacing.
2: I thought it was funny because later on they're still in it.
0: Yes, and they're playing jacks and drawing in the dirt.
1: Kind of reminds you like timeout.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> I could use a pit at home. That would be good. That would be helpful for me. I could I could put my kids in there and be like, "Hey, you messed up. You you need to stay in there and you know until Captain Pete comes to get you out." But we mentioned we did not mention it's it's Clarabel Cow who is Pete's lieutenant. She's she's the one who's serving under him uh, to to help keep things in line. The princess requests uh, Captain Pete though assign her some musketeer bodyguards. And since he has tried to kidnap her, he decides to assign her the most inept musketeer bodyguards he can find, which would be Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. But he does not tell them that they are the most inept bodyguards he can find in a cruel twist of fate.
2: Yeah, he
0: plays it up, but honestly it backfires on him, so you know. Well, he's a mean guy. He's not a smart guy. right? Captain Pete's no more smart than Goofy. Um,
2: yeah, I guess, you know, I, I always liken the, the Pete and Mickey thing to like Papa and Bluto, you know?
0: Yes, very much so. That's a good, I like that analogy. I like that a lot. Yeah. I never thought of it that way, but you're right. That's exactly how it is. So, uh, they are going on a journey. Minnie and Daisy are headed out on a carriage with Mickey, Donald, and Goofy on the back when the Beagle Boys ambush them to try and kidnap the princess uh, and, of course, what ends up happening, as per usual, Donald turns into a chicken and runs off. It get thrown off the carriage by the Beagle Boys. Goofy is distracted by the Beagle Boys, who uh, suck him in with a jack-in-the-box, which punches him in the face. So Mickey has to fight off all the heroes – or fight off all the bad guys, rather, and ends up getting knocked off the carriage. They, they take Minnie and Goofy to this tall tower somewhere. Now, how many – how Mickey, Donald, and Goofy found the tower and chased them down, I don't know. Yeah. But they do. They know where they're going, so... Yeah, there's that point where they're just right in front of it. Yeah, they just go from being thrown off the carriage to being right in front of it. But hey, it works. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, if Mickey has psychic powers or teleportation, I think that's, that's also something we should know, but, you know, whatever. I think I, it works. Yeah, I
2: mean, before all this happens, there's that whole thing that with where Pete... goes down to his secret lair, which – and they're playing Hall of the Mountain King because he's singing about being king, right? Uh, Yes. Okay, but what I like about that scene is it reminds me of uh, the Cusco show with Yzma's secret lair. Yes. You know how she has to take the roller coaster to get there. It's like the exact same setup.
0: It is.
1: It may be. (laughs)
0: it it might be that's true they might have just reused the drawings
2: (laughs) who knows there's also um when they're presented there's a uh throwaway nod to the um three musketeers when she when they get presented to her as her guards because daisy brings her says it's time to cut the cheese very funny child humor and uh the cheese is roquefort cheese which Rochefort's the bad guy in the Three Musketeers?
0: Ah, very nice, very nice. Yes, and then of course all the musketeers tackle Daisy. And, and should, we should note too that, you, like you said, Minnie and uh, Minnie Mickey uh, are it's love at first sight between the two of them. Which is about all the development that their relationship has is they see each other and all of a sudden they're in love.
1: And Daisy makes a comment. She ever falls. It, it the, then she then she goes and foreshadows the movie for us.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs>
1: because then she says, oh, if this movie's going to be like anything. I'm going to follow you for the dock.
0: <laughs> yes, she does.
2: Well, she was the odd girl out at the end anyway, but it's bound to happen.
0: Yep, and she makes fun of Donald's uh, mode of speech, if you will. Indeed. So uh, they get to this tower, and they're, they're ready to, to, to attack. Uh, Mickey opens the door, which Goofy, Goofy tells, his, tells everybody to stand back so he can break down the door, but Mickey opens it, which, of course, sends Goofy running past the Beagle Boys, goes out of the tower, falls down, bounces off a tree, gets kicked by a cow. The cow kicks him into a windmill. The windmill th- spins, throws him back into the tower, and he's back You know there fighting with the Beagle Boys. Uh, Donald runs and hides while Mickey and Goofy are fighting the Beagle Boys and get cornered in the top of the tower. And Goofy thinks back for a second to what just happened to him, and he does the exact same thing only with Mickey and goes out of the tower, off the tree, through the cow, to the windmill, back up to the tower, knocks the Beagle Boys over, and they've rescued Minnie and Daisy.
2: Yeah. That happened twice. Yes, it
0: did. (laughs) Like, right in a row twice. Like, not like, you know separated by several min- no it just like it happened once and then it happens right again um so at one point
2: they mentioned the tower is 87 floors tall
0: yes it didn't look that tall no it didn't it looked about 6 6 floors tall yeah it's like all right yeah it it they had a lot of gags in this and not a lot of like it. This was not, this looks like one that they, they focused a lot on how to make it funny and quick and, and easy to digest and not a lot on like, here's the details, which is okay for what they were doing.
1: Yeah. That was my one problem with the plot is like, I was like, okay. So what happened to Athos Artemis and D'Artagnan? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> that was my problem. <laughs> Yeah, she wanted to know why
2: they weren't helping out. I don't know. Good question. I guess you can figure at that point in time they were stuck in the middle of the man in the iron mask.
0: That's true. That's a good point. I don't know. Perhaps that's part of the mystery along with how they got the floor buffer and, you know, Mickey's teleportation psychic powers to find the tower, all those sorts of things. There's a lot under the surface here that if you start scratching, you know, things things start to bubble up. I'm just saying. there, there Donovan Cook could have hidden things in this movie that we just, you know, can't really see. Just saying it's possible. Yeah, I'm – yeah, true. So uh, Mickey unties Minnie and, you know, she laughs because he falls over. And one of the things she said is, you know, you he'll make me laugh, the man of her dreams. So – that, of course, means that they are automatically in love. And we have a love montage. Which is always necessary, uh, especially when you have a turtle who can sing. Yes. And, and, and can sing Sweet Wings of Love to the tune of the Blue Danube. Yes. Yeah,
2: so the, my only problem with this whole scene is they're all supposed to be going back to Paris, but we only see Mickey and Minnie going back to Paris. Correct.
0: Yeah, and we don't even really see them going back to Paris. They're just kind of floating on clouds, and then they're there. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, that's a good – the whole movie is sort of weird, right? I mean it's just it's, – it's a very silly sort of thing, and there's, there's very little plot to it. And like we were talking before we started uh, recording, the whole movie, if you took the songs and montages and things out of it, it's about 20 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not one that you uh, you want to sit down and, and you know try to really think through, which is bad for us because that's kind of what we do. But anyway, uh, so when we get back to Paris, right? The Daisy and Minnie are behind closed doors. Goofy is on guard. Donald and Mickey are you know elsewhere, sort of patrolling. Uh, and Goofy, and one by one, the bad guys lure all of the Musketeers away. Right? Goofy gets lured away by Clarabelle, who does a, an uncanny Mickey Mouse impression. With just her hands, she can form Mickey Mouse's head, and she can speak in Mickey Mouse's voice. It's amazing.
2: I like that you just called them Musketeers instead of Musketeers. <laughs> well, aren't they? Only one.
0: Oh, come on. The others are all in his service, and we know it.
2: <laughs> no, Donald sing in the song. Donald doesn't like, the mus- doesn't like being a mascot. He wants it to be his show, remember?
0: Oh, that's right. That's good yeah, that. see? Okay, all right, fine. You have a point. But Cl- Clarabelle with the hand gestures and the ears and the voice? Come on.
1: Maybe I should ask her to replicate it if I- when I see her this week.
0: Clarabelle has always been multi talented. This is very true. I mean, and not to mention, uh, so we can go, we'll go into what happens with her and Goofy in a second, but I mean, the woman's a heartbreaker. I mean, Horace Horsecollar and now Goofy, you know, she's piling up the, the, the wreckage behind her. I mean, you know, all, all the guys love, love them some Clarabelle, apparently. Hey, it's the others. It could be. It definitely (laughs) could be. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. could be. But so Goofy gets lured away by Clarabelle who wraps him up in chains. Uh, Then Donald is in the palace and he is fighting a a bonsai tree. He cuts a tree into the shape of himself. Uh, And when he turns around, the Beagle Boys are there, but they're wearing these crazy scary masks which don't actually scare Donald. He tells them to go away. And when they take the masks off, then Donald's, That's scared. Donald's
2: scared. Yeah.
0: So turns, yes, and turns into a chicken. I, I, he turns into a chicken. I don't understand it, but he does. And runs off. Yes, and runs in, away. In
1: his vintage Donald Duck suit.
0: Well, not not then. Because, well, oh, first well, he's wearing the musketeer suit, and then he runs into Mickey. Mickey. He's trying to tell Mickey what's going on. And this is where I laugh the hardest, is when he's trying to tell Mickey what's going on, and he's doing it so fast, he's doing it in the voice that is you know, his typical Donald Duck scratchy voice, but he's talking so fast you can barely understand what he's saying. And Mickey, for once, in all of the animated history of Disney, says, Donald, I have no idea what you're saying. I found that incredibly funny.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's an incredibly funny little bit because he kinda like you see him, he's kind of like tilting his head to the left, tilting to the right, trying to make heads or tails of what Donald's saying, and he goes, dude, I just don't understand.
0: Yes. But, I mean, this this has never happened before in the history of all the Disney shorts. I just love the fact that, that somebody finally went like, what is, Mickey just went, Donald, what are you talking about? Love it. But the the basic idea is, you know that Pete he uh, Donald has figured out what's going on because Pete had revealed himself to to Donald, uh, but Donald escaped and so he tells Mickey you know that Pete's trying to kidnap the princess and he's going to take over France. Uh, Mickey decides well I've got to stop him and Donald's like not me I'm getting out of here uh, and like you said Cheryl he Mickey says well as long as you wear the colors of the musketeers you're a musketeer or, I mean no, musketeers you're a musketeer and you can you know. You can do this, and so Donald immediately rips off the colors of the musketeer and into his vintage Donald Duck outfit, gets in a rowboat, and starts rowing away. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's funny because uh, earlier Mickey gets his clothes taken off too, and he's got on his trademark shorts underneath.
0: Yeah, well, that's one of the ones I was saying, like a little nod, is that when he's on top of the uh, the carriage when they're getting attacked, he gets his ripped off, and he does. he even does the little pose that he does… In his shorts, you know, the ta-da! Little pose that he does with his hands sticking out and everything. Yep. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember what that's from, but you've all seen it before. Uh, if you've seen Mickey Mouse at, at Disney World or anywhere else, that's the pose that you see him when he's animated. Kind of silly. Uh, but even more silly is Mickey gets captured by Pete. And it is, he's taken out to Mont Saint-Michel, this castle that you know floods when the tide comes in. And when Pete gets him there, he says, you know, you're as well – he sings the Mickey Mouse Club theme song to him basically. Yeah, I thought it was funny. He
2: quotes the Mickey Mouse Club
0: theme. Yeah. Yeah. He says, hey there, hi there, ho there. You're as welcome as can be. I'm like, okay. All right.
2: I also thought it really out of character in a Disney cartoon that at this point Pete tells him that Goofy is dead.
0: Yeah, he does. Isn't that crazy? Like he's like he basically tells him Goofy's dead. He says Donald's run away and you know, you're you're out of luck. Um that's kind of scary for kids, I guess. I mean, my son didn't ever really have a problem with it because he knew Goofy wasn't dead, but and I guess it's okay, but yeah, it is sort of out of character, isn't it? Yeah. Just out of place. Yeah. But uh, as, as previously mentioned, Claribel has chained up Goofy and is about to throw him off a bridge so he will plummet to his death in the water. When Goofy starts flirting with her, and we get more songs, the, the chains of love between Goofy and Claribel. This is uh, from the Habanera from Carmen, the opera. Uh, and again, Goofy and Claribel fall in love. Like, yeah.
2: Just like that. Also, if – a lot of the animation isn't from Jungle Book, but it kind of plays at Ka,
0: the yes, snake. It does.
2: You know the way they do the chains; the chains move do some of the same exact things.
0: Yep, it is. You're right. He's Goofy's kind of using his eyes to seduce her. He, he's a smooth one, that Goofy. <laughs> so they start they they start kissing and they plummet into the river and land conveniently onto Donald's boat as he's trying to escape. And Goofy uh, tries to convince Donald that they have to go and save Mickey. Uh, And when they get to the, the moat where they have to cross to get to the castle where Mickey's being flooded to death, uh, Donald sticks his head in the sand and refuses to go. But the, the French turtle shows up and sings a song to him. This is the end off of Beethoven's fifth symphony. And that song shames Donald into going across the, the moat.
2: Yes, yeah, so I. like, this is the end, this is the end. I, like, I don't know. I just like the way
0: they did that. I did, like, I did like the song, but I did think it was I, – I thought Donald being a coward was sort of out of character for him. Like they really overdid it with him being a coward because if you watch his old cartoons, um, he's more the kind who will charge into anything and get in over his head before he runs.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: So having yeah. him just run away from danger seemed a little odd. I, it
2: It's an interesting play because up until this point in the movie, Mickey is always giving the Goofy and Donald a pep talk. You know, tell him, yes, we can do this. Yes, someday we'll be musketeers. We'll save a princess, all that stuff, right? But now Mickey's not here, and Goofy kind of takes over and gives a pep talk to Donald. That's true. You know, so it – Paint it forward, I guess. Paint it forward.
1: Maybe Donald had too many chipmunk um, problems, and so he was being encountered because he thought maybe they'd bring on the chipmunks.
0: You're just saying that because you wanted to see Chip and Dale in the movie.
1: I will not confirm or deny that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I also liked that, that as Mickey's cell is getting flooded, there's a sign up on the wall that says, You must be this tall to survive this dungeon.
0: yes. I did enjoy that greatly. Yes. Uh, but Don, Goofy and Donald manage to get across the, the moat with the help of Pluto, who uses his tail as a propeller. Who's He's sort of the D'Artagnan of the piece. He's the fourth musketeer. And they manage to rescue Mickey, and they have to go to the opera to save Princess Minnie, because at the opera, Minnie has been captured by Pete. She gets thrown into a sack and then into a trunk, and Pete uh, puts one of the Beagle Boys up in the box and uh, has them pose as Princess Minnie and announce that Pete is the new king, which allows Pete to then put a giant banner down that says Pete the Magnificent.
1: Yes, yeah, so does this remind you of an, another movie we covered, except with the, the 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 queen the 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 royalty was was mechanical.
0: Oh, in the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> yes, it was it was almost exactly the Great Mouse Detective because I watched the Great Mouse Detective on Saturday night and I'm like oh this is the exact same plot okay
2: (laughs) and then the rest of the movie and then the rest of the movie takes place over excerpts from Pirates of the Panzans
0: yes Because they they as Mickey, Donald, and Goofy arrive, they basically fight it out on stage again. Mixing the media, we had the comic book, we had the TV show, film, three, uh, you know, masterpiece theater thing that's going on, and now we have an opera, a stage play that's going on. With the turtle has come, and he is now conducting the music for the opera, and then eventually for the final battle between Pete and Mickey. So he's now gone out of the story and is now an active participant. He's not just narrating because he influenced Donald to go and now he's conducting the orchestra. Like I don't know how he did that. I don't know either. I'm just saying the the, the turtle has powers beyond beyond the the ken of us mere mortals. Yeah, well, you know, remember his source, right? His source.
2: Well, I mean, like I said earlier, he's based on Toby Tortoise, right? So. Oh, good point. Yes. So you know, Toby Tortoise keeps winning these things that he shouldn't be able to win, right? So. Okay. Stands to reason, he can do pretty much whatever he wants at that point.
0: Good point. Good point. Okay. So yes, the battle goes back and forth with Mickey, Donald, and Goofy battling the Beagle Boys, and they're going up and down on the scenery, and they're you know trying to free the free Mickey or uh, Minnie and uh, Daisy from the chest until finally it is only Pete and Mickey left. Uh, Mickey standing on top of the chest, about to sword fight Pete. The the turtle plays in another song until uh, Donald and Goofy show up and help him defeat uh, Pete and restore. Mini to the monarchy. So we're all back to a monarchy and you know, no democratic rule. It wasn't going to be democratic rule under Pete either. You don't know that. He could have set up a constitutional monarchy with a parliament and everything. We don't know what Pete's plan was.
1: was Other than the bust his mother out of jail.
0: Correct. <laughs> I'm just saying he could have been you know, a revolutionary for the people. We don't know. We didn't get into his motivations.
2: True, true. And then there's the award ceremony at the end where everybody gets a girl and lives happily ever after.
0: Yes, it's like the end of Star Wars.
2: <clears throat> it is, actually. You're right. Never even thought about that.
0: Yes, it's like the end of A New Hope. Because Pluto doesn't get a medal, just like Chewbacca at the end of Star Wars. <laughs> so
1: talking about Star Wars, let me do the... Um, let me do the- the connections that I found. Okay. We've got Jeff Bennett, who was one of the Beagle Boys, who played, who did a voice in Star Wars The Old Republic. We've got Frank Welker, who did additional voices, who's also done Star Wars The Republic video game voices. We've got Jess Harnell, who is the major general um, voice uncredited, and Jess has also done many video game voices. And then we have your buddy, the Troubadour, the Turtle, Done by Rob Paulson, who did Lego Star Wars The Padawan Menace and played Commander Cody, Bobby, and George Lucas.
0: (laughs) Oh, fun. He sounded like the guy who did Clopin in Hunchback of Notre Dame, but I don't know if that's true. He may be. But he was he was in Animaniacs and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and some of those other things, so maybe not. I don't know. Oh, he's the voice of Toodles. Oh, Toodles. Yeah, he's the voice of Toodles in in that show.
2: Oh, in that's Clubhouse. Yeah. Um, I like that the D V D cover on it says all for fun and fun for all.
0: Yes. I agree.
2: I mean I don't like a lot of marketing campaigns, but I think that one very much fits this movie.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, like we said, this, this one is pure, like, this is, you know, like if, you, if you're watching um, Wally or Ratatouille, right, there's deep messages there. That's, that's a full meal sort of a thing. This is dessert. That's all this is. This is just pure sugar, pure fluff, uh, and it doesn't pretend to be anything else and doesn't try to do anything else, which I like.
2: It's a fast story. I mean, it's an animated movie, so it's geared for kids, and it's definitely a good kids' movie. You know, Absolutely. I mean, just I tell your kids don't sword fight. That's probably the biggest extent of it.
0: Unless you have lightsabers, which I mean, we have lightsaber fights um, in this house quite often. So, fair enough. I meant real swords. Yes. Do not fight with real swords, kids. That would be bad. Indeed. Yes. But yeah, I mean it's very quick, very easy to watch, um, fun, lots of gags, not something where you have to keep up with a whole bunch of characters. They're all characters that you know, and you kind of know how it's going to turn out, and I mean it's it's really great for kids. Um, does not get a lot of positive reviews from critics. I think right now it's in the low 30s on Rotten Tomatoes was the last I checked. Yep. Yep. Um, so – I think most people are probably expecting it to be something that it's not. I mean this is something that's really in the vein of, like I said, the old Mickey, Donald, and Goofy shorts. And they do, they do take time to pay homage to that sort of thing with some of the, the way the characters act and some of the relationships like having Clarabelle in it and having Pete and the Beagle Boys in it and all those sorts of things. So I think, I think you have to know that stuff a little bit to really get the most out of it. Would you guys agree with that? Like, you have to know some of the old Disney stuff to really. Yeah,
2: yeah, I agree. It's also important to note that the the members of the Fab Five are not uh, typically meant to be adult for adults in, when they're in the movies, right? It's not that adults can't enjoy them because I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Okay, but it's still a kids' movie.
0: D- most definitely. So. Yeah, it is. It is definitely a kids' movie. I mean, like I watched it this time. I wasn't able to sit down with the kids and watch it, like I, I usually try to do with anything that we uh, that, that that we watch that's appropriate. But um, I had to watch it by myself, and it's not as fun when you're not watching it with the kids. I will say that for sure.
1: Although I'm sure Sally did, did appreciate not watching it with you because because of the plot problems. <laughs>
0: Yes, I'm sure – actually, I think she would have liked watching this better. Um, She sat through The Barefoot Executive and Strongest Man in the World with me, so I think she would have enjoyed watching this a lot more. Probably true. Yeah, I think anyone would have um, enjoyed watching this a lot more than either of those films. Uh, A point which we will prove uh, by rating it. So, uh, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, what would you give uh, The Three Musketeers?
1: I'll give it a solid three.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Todd? Um, yeah, I think in
2: the grander scheme of this whole direct-to-DVD nightmare that, generally speaking, I'm not a fan of.
0: Agreed. Uh,
2: I think it falls in a two-and-a-half for me. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's not stellar, but it's not bad. It's watchable.
0: <laughs> yes, it's not uh, Cinderella 2 or something like that. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I will agree with both of you. I would put it right there at a 3. Uh, I, I like it just because I like the Fab Five. It's just Those are some of my favorite things that Disney produces is when they, they use those characters and use them well. And I think they use them about as well as they can without devoting the full animation studio to it. So I like that. I like the fact that it references the old stuff, and that they don't, um, with the exception of a few nitpicks here or there, they don't go out of the box of what those guys do. They just have fun with it, and you know, really make a make a fun movie for kids to enjoy. Right? It's not something that you um, you, you want to go into looking for a lot of goals, motivation, and conflict. You just go into it, enjoy the gags, laugh, and and have a quick hour uh, movie for for you guys to watch. So, yeah. I'd say that's but that's pretty good though at three for a direct-to-DVD movie as as you stated, Todd. We're not generally in favor of those sorts of things.
2: Yeah, well, I I think the advantage this one has is it's not a sequel, it's not a midquel, like they typically are. You know, it's not your twelfth Tinkerbell movie. That's uh, right. It, it it's just a movie that stands by itself.
0: Yes, it does, and does and does so well. I think. Um, you know, like Cheryl said, they did use it in the the Kingdom Hearts game and a couple of those other things. I think it's something. Um, I know when the movie came out, I bought the book and read it to my son a lot, and it, it plays well there. I mean, it's something that they've had some fun with. You know, outside of just the DVD.
2: Yeah, the, uh, as Disney and the, does. And the comic book that they're reading, you can actually get
0: the comic book, but not for twenty five cents. I guarantee you. N- no, not for twenty five cents. But it is available. Yes. All right, so there you go. Um, if you guys have not seen this, you can go get it. It is on Amazon Instant Video. Uh, if you want to watch it, uh, it's a nice rental. Uh, be fun for, for you and the whole family. So go check it out if you want to watch that. Uh, until next time, though, you can uh, let us know what you think of the movie or of the podcast or of life in general, really. We're open to talk. Uh, over at Facebook, you can find us at Disney Film Project. You can find us on Twitter at Diz Film Project. And um, you can also. Uh, find us on disneyfilmproject.com. You can go leave a note in the show notes and let us know what you think of uh, this show or any of our shows. All right. So uh, until next week, folks. Uh, all for one and one for all.
2: It's all over, Mickey, and you're all alone. And now, with you out of the picture, getting rid of the princess will be
0: as easy as pie. On guard. French words make me mad.
1: So long, Grunt. I've got me tickets to the opera. A little something called, I Just Can't Wait to Be King.